You are listening to the Resonate Church Sermon Podcast. Resonate is a collegiate church planning network in the Northwest. If you'd like to learn more, please visit us at resonate.net. What's up, Resonate? Good to see you guys. It's our first ever online worship service. Uh, it's our first time to do something like this, and so uh, it's, it's kind of interesting that in some ways it doesn't feel that crazy. I don't know if it says something about our church or just the general level of crazy in the world. Maybe we're all skewed and we think, hey, this is so normal compared to everything else around us. But this is a difficult time, and as we begin a process, really what is a, a crisis around us, um, we need to be able to act appropriately. But in the moment, I don't know if you're about me, but uh, in this difficult time, there's been some there's some moments in the stress of trying to figure out what do I do now, what, is, what does life look like, what do our church look like, that I just find some things pretty funny, some observations. And so uh, sometimes you just have to look at the light side of things. But there's some interesting things to me about how things have changed and it, it kind of, the world is a different place. And I don't think I've ever put as much effort into washing my hands as I have, uh, as I do right now. And, and who knew that the way that we were washing our hands for our entire life was far too short. It was, it was completely wrong. We were allowing all kinds of things to stay on our hands because we weren't singing happy birthday twice while we're doing this. And so um, who, who knew? This is the, the results of being able to have this crisis. We now know that we weren't doing anything by washing our hands before. Now we know the right way. And, uh, and I don't know about you, but I'm so sick and tired of happy birthday. It has completely ruined that song for me. And I wonder if like for the whole generation, um, there'll be people in the, like that moment where you have like the cake comes in and the candles are lit and everything is like happening and then all of a sudden people sing the song and like kids like start crying because they have coronavirus flashbacks um, of having to wash their hands and immediately it's like they're cracked and they're bleeding they're cracked and they're bleeding Um, and so in this I just think it's fascinating to see uh, how we're reacting and to be able to to talk about what this looks like I've I've noticed some things um, about uh, just about my life and about what I what I do that I've never noticed before. There's some, there's some things that we're becoming aware of as we begin to think about it. Number one, we, we've realized that this coronavirus is a novel virus. I don't know about you, but that threw me off the word novel for the first couple of days. I was like, why is this novel? This seems like a really serious thing. Uh, it means new, evidently. So uh, that was a new thing for me, but it is a novel virus. Uh, unfortunately, the mortality rate is 3%. That's a, that's a big deal. Um, it, it spreads much like the flu um, that we have a, uh, the most vulnerable part of our senior, our, our population is our senior citizens. Uh, and, and then number five, evidently, I love touching my face. I don't know. These are the things I'm finding out about this. Um, evidently, I, te- I touch my face like an incredible amount of time. And so I'm finding myself, you know, ultra conscious of this and realize, is this just what I do in my entire life? And, and I realize it is now, it is the case. And I need one of those like dog collar, like shame things <laughs> to be able to put on. And then, so I can't get my hands to my face. I don't know if you're like that, how much you touch your face, but uh, also realizing that for you introverts, this is like the most validating experience ever. All of a sudden, social distancing is the validation of everything you've been doing since you've been born. Like you, <laughs> you going to places and not having to have, uh, you know, interaction around large groups, you're nailing this. Not having to do the small talk thing, it's like this is, 
the whole world is now validating your point of view. You are pros at the social distancing. Um, and then some of you, you thought you were introverts because like that's the new cool thing to be as an introvert. But then like you're at the cat on the couch for a whole day and you're like losing your mind. And you're like, I'm out. I'm actually an extrovert. I, I actually need to be around people. I'm going crazy. Um, but uh, in all this, like parents, you're scrambling, right? All of a sudden you're, you're having to be teachers now. Your kids are at home. All of a sudden there's anarchy and you're trying to figure out fourth grade math and you're like, why can't I remember fourth grade math? What is wrong with me? I am a grown adult and I can't figure out how to do long division. So in this, um, this is just, this is just uh, the reality. And again, around this, there is sickness and there is death and those, those are big things. And, and our world is changing so fast. And I feel like every day, you know, you're looking at your phone and you're beginning to say, oh, this thing that I never expected to happen is now the reality. This thing that I couldn't have thought of previously is the new reality. That thing that you thought, oh, maybe it'll get to this. Um, but I'm sure that that won't be the case. Now we begin to get an announcement that indeed that is the thing. And so um, the honest reality is that as we're trying to figure out what's going to happen next and how is this all going to pan out and, and what's forever changed and what's it going to affect in my life, uh, really the honest answer is we don't know. And none of us know exactly um, what the changes are going to be, how this will wash out, really what its effect upon uh, us or our loved ones, our jobs, our futures. We're in a moment where all of that is kind of up in the air. And I think the temptation for us as we begin to think about this, as, as you begin to kind of process what are these implications, what does it mean for us to be able to do this, we start to worry and we start to get into these moments where we're asking, really, what is it that's going to be the future? And there's beginning to be this temptation to be able to say, I don't know, and I, and I want to know, and I want to figure this out. But in this, um, if you're a believer and, and if you're a follower of Christ... I want to really today talk about the differential, uh, the difference between really how the world sees this and how a follower of Christ should see this. And I think it's really key for you to be able to clearly understand, hey, this is the difference between what is going on around us. And when we read the news and where it's generated from and how I see that, um, there should be something that is a significant change between you. So we are called to be um, not conforming to the world, but transformed. And this is what Jesus calls us to do. And so I want to look at a place where Jesus is talking about this in his, uh, in his con connections with his disciples in the Gospel of John. So in John 14, if you have your copy of Scripture, we're going to go there. And there's just this short phrase, but it's this key moment because what is happening is Jesus is preparing to, to really exit the world. He's, he's preparing to basically complete his mission, to orchestrate his death, to be able to use that death to be able to connect us to God through his resurrection. And in the midst of all of this, this is going to create a crisis in the world. This is going to create a crisis for his disciples. And so they need to know how to deal with this, just like you and I need to know how to deal with um, the reality ahead of time. And Jesus gives them a truth, and it's a truth that you need to hear today, and it's a truth that I need to hear today about what we do when we respond and what Jesus offers us when the world goes crazy. So here it is in John 14, chapter 27. Here's what it says. I'm leaving you with a gift. This is what he says. I'm leaving you with a gift. Jesus is, is, is ultimately completing his message, but he's saying his mission, but he's saying, here's what I'm going to leave you. This is what you should expect. And here's what this means. It means peace of mind and heart. 
I'm going to give you peace of mind and heart. I'm going to give you where your mind are going to think differently, where your emotions are going to be harnessed differently. This is what I'm going to give you. And the peace that I give you is a gift that the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. This is a key phrase, and it's a simple sentence, but it's loaded with meaning that you need to hear and that I need to hear specifically in this time. So the first thing that we need to lean into is this reality, that the gift of Jesus results in peace of mind and heart. That the gift of Jesus results in peace of mind and heart. That when Jesus enters into our world, when, when it begins to be a part of our lives, the result, what happens because of that, is that our minds are changed, the way that we think is changed, and the emotional connections and the emotions that we have are changed. And so this is good news. For us who are dealing with, with worry or dealing with anxiety, dealing with things that we don't know how to, how to really work with, that when Jesus enters the world, it changes. This is the promise that he gives us that it's going to change. And I want us to understand that when he says peace of mind and heart, this is like wholeness. This is not just like this idea. I don't know if you have like my, my watch. Whenever my uh, heart rate goes up, and I don't have any change in my GPS location, it begins to assume ah, you're freaking out. And so it says, hey, it pops up and it says, hey, it'd be good for you to breathe, Keith. And so it gives this like breathing app and, and it tells you to breathe. And in that moment, I look at my watch and I'm like, okay, I, I have to acknowledge this is the case, but um, I don't need to breathe. I need the truth of Jesus. Uh, and I, it'd be great if someone would have an app that would say, um, my heart rate goes up. I'm obviously having this kind of anxiety or having this worry that begins to happen. I'm not doing any uh, exercise. And it would pop up and say, Keith, what lie are you believing right now? Because really that's the truth is that when Jesus comes, it begins to create a truth in us that allows us to be able to see and have a lens by which we begin to see the world radically different. It gives us a way that we begin to see and the world around us begins to enter into our world. And so as we do this, what does it look like? And I want us to understand that this is, uh, that it always starts with some sort of lie that we're believing in this. And so here's what you need to know, that Jesus's love for you answers the most important questions of your life. It answers why you have worth. It answers what you put your hope in. It answers what is most important, and it answers what will last and what will not last. And it begins to help you to understand the priority of life and what makes the most sense and what is the things that will ultimately be the highest priority, what is important and what is not important. And so in this, when, when you're right with God, what Jesus has given us is his life where ours should have been taken that ultimately allows us to be connected and to be made right with God, to, to be reconciled to God. And when we are right with God, then everything is right, even if it doesn't feel right. I, I need you to hear that. When we are reconciled to God, everything is right even if it doesn't feel right. And that's where we have to tell our head that and tell our heart that, is that Jesus, the gift of Jesus, is peace in our mind and in our heart. And so in this, the question is, is, is this an experience that you're experiencing? Are, have you received the gift of Jesus? Is this an ongoing reality? And there's moments that we all get to a place where we have the temptation to have the worry rise up. We have the temptation to have the fear rise up. But what's happening in that moment? Are we letting that dominate us? 
Are we beginning to remind ourselves that if I'm right with God, then everything is right, even if it doesn't feel right. And it might be that if you are dominated by worry, if you're dominated by fear, then in fact you've, you've missed Jesus. And I need to say that to you so that you don't go around thinking, I, I must have Jesus, but I still have this collision. It might be that you haven't given your life fully to Jesus and that you're holding on to two realities. One is I can do it on my own, and the other one I have to sacrifice and give my life to Jesus. Because what happens is that throughout history, when people have said, I'm going to stop doing it my way, and I'm going to say, I'm going to cling to the cross, and my only hope comes in the cross, then throughout history, what has happened is this, that crisis divides two different people. Crisis takes and really clarifies your life. It divides people that have their faith in Jesus and people who have their faith in something else. And it's the moment that there becomes a very stark difference and crisis begins to reveal the truth that you have deep in your heart and really what it's latched to, what it's connected to. It's like at our house we have these cups um, and, and we have these cups that, that, that ultimately are color-changing cups, but they all look like the same cup, and you wouldn't, able, you wouldn't be able to tell the difference except for when something gets poured in there. When there's cold water that gets poured in or cold liquid that gets poured in, all of a sudden the cup changes color, and it looks the same until something enters into it, and it contains something different, and that reality ultimately changes the color so it's red or it's blue or something else, and you might not see it. And in these moments, I think that this is where those who are disciples of Jesus begin to have a significant difference in how they begin to see the world and how this begins to affect their lives. And so this is what Jesus does. He brings unspeakable peace. And I want you to take a minute and, and just think, what would unspeakable peace really feel like? Like if you had this experience when you're like, hey, in this moment, just... How would, I, like, how would I even respond to if there was unspeakable peace that just washed over my entire being? What would that be like? And I want you to understand what Jesus says to his disciples, both then and now, is that's the way that we should be operating. That's the way that we should be operating. But here's what happens, and here's what he speaks to, that oftentimes this gets hijacked by something else being able to come in and, and being able to, to, to really mess us up and really where we find peace. Number two is this, that this gift of Jesus is something, that, or this gift of the peace through Jesus is something that cannot be found anywhere else. I want you to understand that all around us, there's going to be things that look like that they're going to provide peace for us. That when we think about our world, there's going to be all these different things that seem like, okay, maybe I can have peace in this and this and this. And there's a moment where you realize that thing is not going to provide you peace. Whatever that, that thing is, it's not going. And, and really what happens is the mark of wisdom is how fast you come to this realization permanently. So here's what we typically think. I can... I can find peace in this and this and this and this. And we begin to kind of go down different things and we just add Jesus to that. What Jesus says is that you've misunderstood this whole thing. That if right now you're putting your hope in your financial security, there's probably worry that's bubbling up. That as we see the stock market, as we see the financial future in front of us, and we know that there's going to be a different reality than it was three months ago. If, if you've put your hope into your financial security, 
then there's worry that's going to be popping up in that. If you've put your hope in that this job is going to be the, the thing that allows you to be able to have the life that you want, that might not be something that is assured. And if that is something that's causing that thing to be able to say, my life is tied to that, everything about me is tied to that, this probably something that, I'm not saying that we shouldn't care at all, but I'm saying that, um, that there shouldn't be despair in these kind of moments. And if there's this moment where we have all these plans that we've taken and, and from our, our vacations this summer to um, all these things that we have planned and if we're beginning to have this moment of worry and, and fear based upon our plans being messed up, it might be that we have put Jesus alongside all these other things and we're just considering all of this. But what Jesus says is there's no thing that is in this world that can ultimately give you peace, that can help you understand this thing and uh, we need to understand that fear is finding hope in something we cannot control or cannot trust that ultimately if we begin to say I'm going to put my hope in this thing and I'm not going to be able to control it so I want you to know you cannot control your financial future you cannot control the plans ahead of you you cannot control the job or or how your school is going to play it out like we think we can but here's the thing we are demonstrating we're in this moment that realizes there's something else that's happening there and if you're putting your hope in that thing ultimately right now now, this is a dark place. And I want us to understand that what Jesus says 2,000 years ago to his people that we're going to go through a difficult crisis is like, this is the gift that I'm going to give you, is being able to find hope and find this kind of peace. So in this, there's what we see. The third thing that happens is that we begin to see that when Jesus, this, this truth enters into this, that faith shrinks fear. That we be, when we begin to operate in this way, it begins to eradicate our fears. And so what does he say? He says, don't be troubled and afraid. And, um, and this is a command. And so Jesus tells them this. And when I read that, I'm like, hold it. This is like a counselor saying, you know, you say all this stuff and he's like, don't do that anymore. And I'm like, why did I just pay you $100, right? You're very unhelpful. Um, and so in this moment, Jesus, Jesus is not being a bad therapist, but he's helping us to understand, here's the actions, here's the truth that we need to understand, that we need to kind of embed into this. Here's, here's what um, ultimately Paul says, in, and so in Romans uh, 8.38, he says this, and I'm convinced this is Paul in prison, right, in a crisis of his own. And I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither our fears for today, nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. There is a conviction there. There's, he says, I am convinced of the truth. And that truth is that nothing can separate us from God. That there is something there that will always be there, that will be reliable, that will never fail us, that we can put our hope and trust in. And here's the cool thing about this. It says this, Either, even when we have our fears of today and our worries about tomorrow, in those moments that we don't live up to saying, um, we, we don't live up to having this, this hope and we don't live up to having this trust and we don't live up to having this faith. It says, even then, it is not dependent upon that. That our 
Our connection with God is secure. It's nothing can separate us. Even when we doubt God, he is faithful to us. So when we are fearful, he is faithful. And what it does is it brings us to an understanding of who God is in a way that pulls our hearts so that we can begin to slowly but surely get to this place where we begin to shift our thoughts from these things that will not satisfy and ultimately will lead us um, in, into um, despair and to, into, into fear. And we begin to shift those and begin to say, my only way to find peace and to eliminate fear is to put my faith in Jesus Christ. And as we begin to do this, we begin to understand some truths that cannot be taken away from us. If God's love cannot be separated from us, here's what this means. That God, God loves you. That this is the thing that can never be taken away from, from you. That God loves you. That your heavenly father won't leave you. He won't forsake you. He likes you. He pursues you. He sacrificed for you. You are loved by your heavenly father. There's nothing you can do to earn more love. There's nothing that you can do to lose his love. And so you can begin to understand there's nothing that can separate me from the love of God. You can hold that and be secure in that. The other thing is this. That God is working all things for your good. In everything, God is, God, because he loves you, he's working things for your good. Now, the, th the key thing is you need to understand it is, it is your good, not as you see it, but as your heavenly father, who is all-knowing, who is all-powerful, sees this. And so he sees all this, sometimes different than we see this, but is working for our good so that we understand that this is his, in his best. And so here's what that leads us to. It leads us to this reality that peace looks like shifting your thoughts from what you cannot control to what cannot be lost. Let me say that one more time so that that lands. Peace looks like shifting your thoughts from what you cannot control to what you cannot lose. So I heard the other day that we have between 60 and 80,000 thoughts a day. And that 80% of these thoughts that we have are either negative about ourselves or negative about our future. So no wonder we're gripped oftentimes with fear. No wonder we're gripped with worry because going through our head is the constant stream of, I don't like me and I'm not sure about my future. But when we begin to look at this, we begin to see this, we begin to say, hey, instead of putting our hope in our mind upon these things, he says, I've come to, to renew your mind. I've come to renew your heart. I've given you a mind and I've given you a new heart. And that is found in me and found in what I'm doing for you. And so I want you to understand, is your mind running to things that you cannot control? How often do you find yourself running to those things that you cannot control? And how often does that look like? And what if you begin to simply say, what does it look like for me to have my mind turn to something I cannot lose? Would that peace begin to just saturate your life? But here's the thing. Oftentimes we get into ruts. And in this, when we have fear, it's, it's a reflexive thing. But in this moment, here's what's so hard about right now across this world and specifically in our country and in our church. We have crisis and that crisis percolates fear, percolates anxiety. But on top of that, part of this thing is that we are isolated from each other. And right now, here's what's happening, is we have this fear, but it's being exacerbated by our isolation. 
And so we have our phones in our hands, um, but, but we're not being proactive to figure out what does it look like for me to have truth spoken in. And most of our church experiences have been, has been met, meeting together, and that's a good thing, and we're going to continue to do that. We're going to fight for that as soon as we can do that. But I want you to know right now, this is the time for us to understand that when we are isolated, this is this is not how we are created. This is not what allows us to thrive. It doesn't make us, makes us healthier. It makes us crazy over an extended amount of time. And you might be going crazy. And I want us to know that we don't get to a place where our minds all of a sudden begin to believe truth um, when we're not around this. And so we need the church more than any moment in our lives. When we have this crisis and we have isolation, we need the church. But we need the church in a brand new way. The truth is that we need people reminding us of the truth of Jesus in this moment. We need the connection to others more than any other times in our life. And yet here in this moment, we're scattered across the region. We're scattered across the Northwest. And I want you to know that just because this virus has stopped our ability to meet together, it is not going to stop the church. It is not going to stop the gospel. The truth is that nothing can stop the good news of Jesus Christ. It is unstoppable. Dictators have tried. Religions have tried to stop it. It's been hit by natural disasters and plagues. Um, it, it's been um, the enemy of governments. It's been mocked by acad academics, but in the midst of it, it has continued to grow. In fact, it thrives in moments like this. When we feel really small, when we feel vulnerable, in those moments, we recognize that maybe we weren't as strong after all, and maybe our answers to our lives weren't as airtight as we had ever hoped for. And in these moments, we are going to continue to preach Jesus and share the gospel, and we're going to point people to the truth, and we're going to do everything that we can to reinvent Resonate Church and to help us to understand what does it look like for us to take this moment and continue to spread the gospel in this, even if we can't be in the same rooms. We're figuring out ways right now, and actually, we're incredibly excited about what this may do to the gospel and what this might do to community, and if we begin to say it doesn't have to fit in this box and it doesn't have to look like this, we are sure that th there's going to be some beautiful things that come out of this. In fact, we believe that on the other side of this, that you might have more connections with people than you ever had before, and you might have more real conversations than you had even before the coronavirus thing has just shifted everything around. And we believe that God is going to do something. And we believe that as you begin to explore this, it might be that your faith is deepened, that you grow in your relationship with Jesus, and that you continue to connect the gospel with people around you as you begin to say that there's people that need Jesus. And you begin to understand that you're connected to far more people than you realize. And that these people need to understand the truth of the love of Jesus and the truth of the love of community that supports them in their isolation in the midst of this crisis. And for us to begin to say, what does it look like for us to continue to be missional and continue to broadcast and to continue to be a light on, a, on, on the hill and to be able to do this in a way that looks radically different. And so I don't want you to miss out on what Corona Church looks like. I don't want you to miss out on what it looks like for us to embrace this reality. And, and I don't want you to just to, to disengage and be isolated and check your phone for the news and miss out on what it could be for you to have a whole new experience in church and for this to be something that you begin to say there was something that shifted and we were a part of the, a shift of the church and we saw God do something in a significant way and so resonate church there's a new way that allows us to go deeper and the end of this I want you to know that we are working to provide you with connection socially spiritually to be able to have an understanding of your culture from a, a godly point of view and there's going to be all kind of tools that go your way but it's going to take 
like you leaning in and figuring out what does it mean to be the church and for us to remind us of these things and to remind us about the gift of Jesus and how it allows us to continue to be the church to each other because we need each other more than any other time. This crisis needs to pull us together, even if it's not physically, for us to figure out how we're closer as a church. And so in this moment, um, I, I want us to know that the Holy Spirit is with us in this moment. As we're spread out, we don't have to gather for God to work in our hearts. We don't have to gather for God to be able to do something. And so what I want to lead us to is a moment of response and a moment we allow him to be able to speak into our heart. and We mo- allow the Holy Spirit to be able to, to kind of invade our space and to be able to help us to be able to know what God is saying to us. And so I basically just have three questions that I, wanna, I want you to answer. And we're just going to give you six minutes. So I want you to dive into this. The first one is this. What is God saying to you? In this moment, as you heard this, I'm confident that the Holy Spirit is invading your space, saying maybe this is you. Maybe, maybe you've never had this moment where you really received Jesus and the gift of this peace. Or, or maybe there's a place where you are latching on to something else that's a dead end that you begin to hear him saying. Or maybe there's a lie that you begin to hear God saying, hey, this is what you're listening to uh, louder than me. What is God saying to you? And if we just stop there, we have this mental thing that we begin to get engaged with, but we don't actually have something that changes our life. And so I want to ask you the question, what are you going to do about it? And this is when we begin to take what's in our head and we begin to flesh it out into our, our lives. And we begin to say, hey, what are the new behaviors? What's the new habits? What's the new me that's based upon this truth? And if you don't do this, you just kind of loop back and it begins to be something where we're mired in shame. But how do we begin to transform? This is the hope. When we begin to see ourselves transformed, it gives us so much hope that God's working in our life. So what is God, or what are you going to do about it? And the last thing is, is maybe the most important thing, but it's the easiest thing for you not to do. So I want you to say, yes, I'll do it. And then I'll tell you what you should do. Can you say that? Yes, I'll do it. Okay, now that you've said that, let me tell you what you're gonna do. You're gonna share this with someone else. You've already said yes, but you need to think about who I'm gonna gonna talk to this about. We need the church. We need the church and we need this moment for us to come together so that we're unified. So take six minutes and begin to share what God is doing and be able to figure out what you're gonna do about it.
One of the realities of our Christian heritage is that we have these things called hymns that were written. And these hymns have stood the test of time and, and relate back to some of the fundamental truths uh, of our faith. There's a guy named Horatio Spafford who wrote a, a hymn uh, called It Is Well With My Soul. And uh, he wrote this in response to some realities that had happened in his life. Uh, that he lost a son um, on the Great Chicago Fire. And in that fire, he also lost all of his wealth because it was in, um, it was in, in things that got burnt up, houses and property that got burnt up. So there he was, he lost his son, he lost all of his wealth, and so he sent his family to go um, to Europe to be able to start a new life. In the midst of that, on the way there, he couldn't be on the same boat with them, so he sent them on ahead, and that boat had a collision, and it sunk, killing his four daughters. And in the midst of that, uh, as he reflected on that, he wrote what is now the hymn called, It Is Well With My Soul. And it says this in the first part. It says, When peace like a river, river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot that thou hast taught me to know, it is well, it is well with my soul. And it goes on to say those same words, It is well, it is well with my soul. And this is a significant moment when we stand face to face with crisis to be able to say, what would we say? And it might not be that you lose a kid in a fire and that you uh, lose the rest of your children on a sinking ship. And, and I don't know if this is a moment of crisis for you or merely an inconvenience, but I do know that one day there will be a moment where something happens and you will have to ask, is it well with my soul? And in that moment, we have to figure out, do we have the gift of peace in Jesus? Is this something that affects our hearts and affects our minds? Have we received that gift? And for some of you today, you, you might say, I've never actually done that, Keith. I've never actually stepped and begun a relationship with Jesus. And I would just say, even in this moment, you can reply on this platform and be able to have someone that can pray for you. Someone you can say, I, I want to know what it looks like to full on just decide to follow Jesus for the very first time. And for some of you, there might be a moment today that you you begin to say, there's been a temptation for me to find something in somewhere else. And today I want to commit to find my hope and my peace in Jesus alone. And this begins to have a deep effect upon your life. Either way, today I want us to be able to engage in this content. And there'll be an opportunity for you to do this together as the church as we begin to figure out what does it look like for us to take the truth of Jesus, apply it to our life, and to begin to live it out, even if we can't be around each other physically. This is an amazing moment. And I hope that Jesus is close to you now more than any time other before, and that you find confidence and you find security in who he is that allows you to experience a peace like you've never experienced before. Let me pray for us.
God, let me ask us today to experience you, Lord, even if we can't experience you in this moment, Lord, that you might be able to show us who you are, Lord, that you might allow your presence to eradicate fear. Lord, allow us to have a peace that is founded on something that we can never lose. And so even in this moment that we're scattered, Lord, help us to be connected to you and can be connected to each other. We ask this in your holy name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Resonate Church Sermon Podcast. If you are a college student in the Northwest, or if you simply want to see college students come to know Jesus, please connect with us by visiting Resonate.net.